busy day. Baccalaureate afternoon as well, and we host that, and it's always a fun time. So it's a long day today. All right. So this morning, um, something that hopefully the graduates can gain from us, all of us can gain from, hopefully. When, of course, we look at Scripture, that's always the case. But um, about building obedience, and we'll unfold that here in a second. So uh, for the past, I don't even know how long now, year plus, uh, I have been building a deck at our house, all right? And you can put that picture up there if you want, fellas. Yeah, so it's, it's past this point, but this is the part of the process, right? My dog is super, supervising. Um, and so I've never really built anything, anything at all with wood, uh, you know, as far as maybe like a cross, <laughs> glunk, right? Um, but never put anything together on some big scale, whatever. Uh, and our deck had to be replaced, and this was after, and Hurricane didn't tear it down, but it was just we, a bunch of things getting done after the hurricane came through, as many of y'all did. So I said, I'm going to tackle the deck. So I had to tear it all the way down to the ground and start building it back. And you know, there's, a lot, oh, there's a lot of wood involved. <laughs> there's a lot of nails, a lot of screws, a lot of concrete, um, on and on. Y'all know the drill. And as I was looking at the scripture for today and look back at how the closest thing I can relate to what this, we're talking about Noah today and his obedience, but the closest I had was just a 20-foot by 16-foot deck. Um, and I don't know if Noah was really a craftsman or not, or so much that God just gave him instructions. But I can say, I mean, you can look, it looks pretty level, right? I mean, and it did turn out pretty level somehow by the grace of God, because I watched a lot of YouTube videos let me tell you, a lot of leveling, a lot of measuring four times instead of twice. They say, measure twice, cut once. And I was like measuring 12 times because I had to redo a bunch of stuff. Anyway, whatever. Um, and so but I got to think about the level, you know, of, of how much Noah depended on God to build this boat. I'm, we aren't told that in Scripture specifically, but I can imagine that part of the overwhelming, overwhelming nature of that. All right, so go to the next picture. So. Um, we're going to talk about Noah today, and this is hard to see, but I went to Google Maps, and have, have, you can measure distance, right? So you see those two dots, one up there on Hobbs Street, it's at the fence of the football field, and then you go to the baseball field, and that's how long this ark is, that Noah's ark was, all right? 440 foot-ish, if we can get the cubits right and that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so if you, if you ever, most of you in here, whether you're from Pace or whatever, if you've gone to football game there, because they eventually do play there, right? Um, you, you sit in the stadium, you can look left or right and realize that's, if you've never been to the Ark Museum, some of you have, but whatever. Um, but football field plus some is how big this butt was. And this man and his sons built this thing. And that just, why, right? Why? And it was about being obedient. Because God said, you got to do this. There's something coming. Okay. I mean, right, not really. But, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle with a 20-foot, square-foot deck. And this dude's building a 440-foot boat. And again, I don't know if he's a craftsman or not. Um, but I imagine the overwhelming sense of all that. So there, there's some perspective as we dig into this. All right, so let's look at Hebrews 11.7 here. Hebrews 11.7. It says this. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, 
he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. All right, so if you haven't been in church long, the Noah story, right? Of course, you can see it in half the nurseries of babies, whatever, right? But, you know, God said, all right, people are messing up so much that, you know, it's time for judgment. And, hey, Noah, you've, you're, I found you righteous, says that in, in, the, in the account in Genesis. He says, you're going to build this boat. It's going to be doing this, do this, this long, this much, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Noah says, okay, so as they move along, they move into the boat, and, you know, um, and then storm comes, it rains a lot, floods, you know, and, and some, historians, some scholars say this is the first time it's rained. I don't know, right? but some have that perspective. But we are in the account of Noah, though, you see where there was water from above and water from the depths came up and flooded the earth, all right? And so then they were in there for hundreds of de- 150 plus days, what and this and that, um, and floated around, then the water receded, and, the animals, and it was animals in the boat, in case you didn't know that part, right? So, you know, so we're all on the same page, okay? Um, and so notice, though, okay, God did not give Noah a boat. How many times have you caught yourself praying for God to give you something, and God could have given Noah a boat, I guess God could have given me a deck. <laughs> Whatever, right? Um, but he did give me YouTube, right? He gave me the tools to get there, I guess, right? And for Noah, the same. Whether it was the knowledge or whatever he needed to get it done, he got it done. Um, but he didn't, get, he didn't give Noah a boat. Noah had to be obedient for the boat to happen and to save his family. Noah had to take the individual boards, you know, all the boards that you, know, you see there on the background of that screen, all these boards and... You know, also, he had to make the boards. He didn't get to go to Lowe's, right? All right, anyway. So, you know, he, wow. Anyway, my back hurts thinking about it. Sorry. But he had to make individual boards and make a boat. Piece by piece by piece. Noah had to be obedient board by board by board. So, if some scholars are correct, and it hasn't rained at this point from the sky, that is, right? Um, Noah's, you know, there's a song that we sang in high school. Um, <laughs> I really don't want to sing it, but I don't think I can say the words without singing it. Um, it says, Noah, oh, where are you going to go in the middle of a desert in a giant boat? I mean, picture that, okay? If it's an arid region, dude's building a boat. And there's not much water around, okay? And you think, how ridiculous does that look? Pretty ridiculous, right? I mean, I'd walk by and laugh at him. Most of us would point fingers, whatever, and I'm sure the neighbors, his neighbors did or whoever had plenty of um, crazy things to say about him. So, but here, here's, here's where I'm going with that. So think about the things in your life and the things that you see people do, okay? So we're, so we're here this morning, whether you consider yourself a regular churchgoer, whether you consider yourself, uh, you know, a, a, either a casual follower of Christ or a serious follower of Christ or whatever level that may be, you, we all come across people that we think are ridiculous. Let's say, for instance, uh, you might come across someone who's, who's refused to watch a certain TV show. And it's a show that you've watched before. And they don't watch it because it kind of, 
they think it kind of, you know, goes a little too far for their comfort system and their faith, right? And as a believer, they're a believer in Jesus, they're following Jesus, and you might go, well, that's a little ridiculous. But they have plenty of scriptures to back up what they say, right? Yeah, I, I don't, it's, so rated R movies, we can, you can go back and forth on that. I won't watch a rated R movie if I know it has nudity in it, okay? And some of you here might go, that's ridiculous. Well, that, that's that's where I draw the line. Scripturally speaking, that's where I draw the line. The, the cuss words, is that bad, whatever. I don't care about all that. It doesn't bother me. But, but you could say, I don't see rated R movies at all. And I could go, well, that's a little ridiculous. But you have plenty of scriptures to back it up, right? So is it really ridiculous? Probably not. Let's check my standard, right? Instead of looking at you as being ridiculous. But Noah looked ridiculous with the standard he was holding, right? He was... And how, but here, so I'm getting at, so I, I keep rambling on. How long did Noah look ridiculous? Make any guesses? Make any answers? Make any scholarly insight? A good minute. A good minute. That's exactly right. All right, so, so you, there are people who, who do all the this and that, whatever, and put it all together. And I'm, I'm going to settle a number. Well, the number is between 50 and 125 years, all right? I'm going to say 50 to make sure I'm honest and not exaggerating from the pulpit. You know what I'm saying, right? And so, so for 50 years, at least, he looked ridiculous. How many of you, or how many of us, have I, have we looked ridiculous for anything in our lives for 50 years? Graduates, how about it? Oh, wait, well, you're not 50 yet. <laughs> right? I mean... Look, look over your, your high school, four years. How, what in your faith life have you looked ridiculous for or willing to look ridiculous for the past four years of your life? That's just four years. Oh, that's, really, that's a fourth of your life, but whatever, right? Noah was already, what, 500 years old this time, whatever. But for 50 years, Noah looked ridiculous. He was willing to look ridiculous because he knew he could save his family and he knew he was being obedient to what God, God had called him to do. It's a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. But how did he do it? You know, the scripture says the first two words, by faith. You know, I think we get this uh, sometimes when we look at biblical characters, we get this perspective they had that they may have had some... Um, I don't know, superpower, super faith, I guess you'd say. Some, yeah, some, like, you know, hey, they shook hands with God. And so there's plenty of stories about, you know, Moses meeting with God. I get all that. But Noah, we don't have this impression that Noah and God had a face-to-face conversation. Because, you know, you, we could all say that if we sat down with God, right, had a face-to-face, that's going to kind of build your faith a little bit, Right? And they disagree with that? Oh, no. <laughs> no, if you actually knew it was God, not some freak from the street, you get what I'm saying, right? Legitimately, it's him, right? He proves it because he recalls everything he ever did. Kind of like Jesus in the spirit and whatever. Well, anyway, right. um, so, you know, but by faith, all right? So Noah has to go on faith that what he is he's being told by God, whether that's a still small voice, whether that's just, you know, he knows he's got to do this because it's being obedient and it's going to save his family, okay? And so notice that in this process, notice, no, wow, sorry. Noah does have to start, okay? That's the first important step, okay? Then in the end, he's going to finish, right? 
In the end, he's going to save his family. In the end, he's going to, what the scripture says, he's going to achieve, as Hebrew says, he uh, became an heir to righteousness. So he achieves righteousness. In other words, he obeys God. In the end, that is his reward. And a righteousness there can be equated to exactly what Jesus Christ promises, is that abundant life that comes through obedience. So by faith, faith is trusting the character and competency of God. Faith is trusting that God knows what he's doing and he's smart enough to do it. And we live in an age right now where you, I don't trust anything I hear from anywhere. You know, it's, it's sad, right? I mean, everything I read, I'm like, oh, I doubt that. I mean, ask people I'm around. They go, well, Bo's always doubting that. Well, I heard that. I doubt that. I mean, oh, man, right? But faith is having to trust that God says what he means, and he's smart enough to pull it off. The competency of God, the power of God, the will of God, right? And so, it, from between start... And the payoff, the end, that righteousness is also the middle where actually you're doing the space in between that time where you grow, you learn, you overcome. And the writer of Hebrews recognizes that. This is where Noah showed faith, right? This is where we all in our lives, we're all in the in-between, right? Um, if you've started your journey of faith, you haven't reached the end of it because you're sitting here, right? Um, and so there's a time in between. As a graduate, you, you, you've had a high school. Now you've got the, a different type of journey. You're starting real life, right? The real world, okay? Um, and, and you're going to start, and it's going to be end out there somewhere, but the time in between is what's important. How are you obedient in that time in between? In that time in between is measured, how is your integrity, okay? What, what did you, well, most of us don't do our taxes, right? We give it to somebody else, but what, you know, what receipts did you, uh, well, no, never mind, I'm going to go there. Anyway, but integrity, right? Doing the right thing when no one's looking, how are you doing there? Okay. How about in your marriage relationship? How, how, how are you treating your spouse? Okay. Are you out serving your spouse? Okay. That should be your goal. Outserve your spouse. If you're out serving each other, then there's a good chance that's being obedient to God, right? Um, what, about, what about in your giving? Okay. In your giving, you know, the pastor's been doing a, a series on how we have to trust God with our giving. And how's that going for you? You can't be obedient to God's word without giving. So how in the world did Noah stay obedient for 50 years? How, I mean, by the time he picked up that board and he walked over and attached it to the boat for 50 years, how did he keep doing it? Okay, let's look at a few things here. First thing, obedience, oops, I may have them out of order. Obedience requires reminders. Try to find the reminder. There we go. Thank you. Who knows when it was 1.30 last night. All right. Obedience requires reminders. We need constant reminders of God's purpose and direction in our lives, okay? So much so it's all over Scripture, okay? How many different festivals are there? How many different altars were built in the Old Testament? How many of the festival of this? You got Passover. You got this. All these different, those are all to remind God's people of what he's done, okay? What do you do every day to remind yourself that God is in your day? If you just get up, roll out of bed, run to your day, guess what? God's probably not in charge of it. 
God's probably, you're not ready to call God into situation. When scripture says pray without ceasing, I get it. Doesn't mean drive your eyes closed praying. No, but it means that anything that happens, when you get cut off in traffic, <laughs> granted, I tell you, I'm guilty. What are you doing? I'm, I'm the worst, right? Anyway. Um, but they don't know that, so it's okay, right? Right? No, it's not. Right. Yeah. So, but when you get off the traffic, you're ready to go, call God in the situation at that moment, so you, you react in an obedient manner, not a fleshly manner, right? That's being obedient. It, it requires reminders, okay? So even, even so much so, it's in Scripture, Deuteronomy 11, 8. So commit yourselves whole. Imprint these, sorry, imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. In other words, God in Deuteronomy is telling them to put the, the, this passage, Deuteronomy 6, that says, love the Lord your God with their hearts, all your minds, the Shema. It, they're, t- they're supposed to put it on their forehead so that it's, it's bouncing on the forehead all day long and annoying them, right? So they remember, oh, yeah, God's word's right there, right? But it's supposed to be attached to them. It'll be a permanent part of them all day long. It reminds them of who God is, all right? How about uh, Joshua twenty two twenty eight, where he says, did I put that in there? Romans 15, 15, we're going to that one. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God, Okay. Paul is writing to remind them, so they can read this to be reminded. Joshua twenty-two twenty-eight said, if, you say this, if they say this, our descendants can reply, look at this copy of the Lord's altar that our ancestors made. It is not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. It is a reminder of the relationship we, of, uh, both of us have with the Lord. What do you put in your daily, daily process to remind yourself about God's presence, to remind yourself to be obedient, to remind yourself how important it is that God's just not this Sunday thing. You don't walk into church on Sunday, walk out, and that's it. That's why, we have, that's why our culture is falling apart. We've been doing this for so long, walking in here, sitting down, walking out, and being no different. We look like everybody else. That's not what we're designed to be. All right, I'll stop. Careful. I don't want to get blood pressure up. All right. Next. Obedience requires consistency. Requires consistency. I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you look at all the different studies that um, Lifeway or whatever church organization puts out, right, and you go back 15 years or ish or whatever, even 10 years, and you, you look at the study, and it says the, the uh, average church attender, you know, attends this many times a month, whatever. And it used to be, t- you know, two or three times a month was the, ordin- or, you know, the average church attender, whereas now it's one or two times a month is the average church attender. And that's who they interview, or that's who they poll to get, you know, results from. It's just it's amazing how we've gone, you know, in, in our, as our culture changes, it has changed us. And consistency to some of us is, yeah, one Sunday a month's fine. I don't think that's what Scripture's called us to, but nevertheless, right? Um, consistency is not just about coming to church. That's important because we are told to be here corporately together. Yeah, you know what? You can worship on a golf course, absolutely. Absolutely you can, because you should be. When you're hitting that ball, you should hit that ball for the glory of God. That's called worship, right? But you can't do this on a golf course. You should be at work worshiping God because everything you do should be glory to God. But you can't do this at work. Well, I can, right? 
<laughs> you know, so, so there's a difference. It requires consistency from us. Obedience requires consistency. Psalm 55, 17 says this, Morning, noon, not morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Psalm 92, 2, it is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. Psalm 5, 3, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. You see, there's all kind of things going on, but the morning thing is consistent. And all throughout Psalm, the writer says that. But in the morning, in the morning, he's going to be reminded, consistently be reminded about who he is, what he's there for. Obedience requires consistency. Requires looking ridiculous all the time. Next, obedience requires help. Obedience requires help. We've got to help each other be obedient, right? We can't do this alone. That's why we are here as a body of Christ. Now, these guys and ladies here have been a part of the student ministry, which is also part of the church. It's not something separate, but it's also, you know, that age group we can be together to support each other, help each other. We've, you know, if, if you're part of a connection group, then you know that there is a support group there. And if you go to church and you aren't part of that, you can sometimes go, well, why didn't somebody at church call when this happened? Well, probably because nobody knew or got missed because you weren't regularly part of a group. Say, hey, you know, this is going on. They can support you through that. That's why connection groups are important because they connect people to help each other. Noah had his sons to help build the ark. They were adults by then, so I guess that's good. <laughs> right? um, some of you have seen the movie Evan Almighty where he's building an ark and he has kids that are kids. But, anyway. um, but Noah had his sons. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Obedience requires help. So how are you going to remind yourself? How are you going to be consistent? Who are you going to allow to help you? Because obedience is, is a process. And so, kind of my, one of my things in student ministry is that when I talk to students, because I'm not a preacher, I'm a teacher, right? I, I'm, I'm not the, you know, <laughs> Dr. Russell, he, he, he's amazing when he gets up here and he just unfolds God's word and you see the theology to it and all that. But I'm just a teacher, right? I'm not the unfold theology guy. I'm the, hey, here's how to live life kind of guy, right? And, uh, and so when I, students, when I challenge them with something, and I, or since I'm here, I'm challenging all of us here to be obedient, which is this big umbrella, right? I mean, how do you walk out of here <laughs> and just go, I'm going to be obedient? Because then when you get out in traffic and you cuss somebody out and you go, well, there we go. <laughs> You're done. Oh, never mind. It's not for me. That's whatever. I challenge you to find one thing in your life. One thing. Find one thing and look ridiculous. Find one thing that you know God's word says we should be doing and work on that. God didn't say, hey, walk out of the doors and be perfect. No. He said, walk out of these doors and, and do better. Be more like, you know, walk the, you know, try to walk the talk, right? But be ridiculous at something in your life. Be over, focused on one thing that you know that you need to change to become more in line with what God wants you to do. As we wrap up here, there's a few things that, that you can consider, okay? The first step of obedience 
is if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If you've never come to a point in your life where you said, you know what, I know I'm a sinner and I need this taken care of, but you've never said, hey, Jesus, I know you are the way to get that done. If you've never done that, then that's your first step of obedience. That's the start of the process for you. In just a minute, we're going to stand up, we're going to sing this, a song at the end. It's called the Invitation Song. And you were invited to respond to what God's put in your heart. And maybe you need to say, yeah, I need to be more obedient. And the first thing I need to do is acknowledge that I am a sinner. I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And the pastor's going to be here during that song. Either, you know what? That's a lot of people in there. I ain't walking down there. You know what? But at the end, he's going to be back there at a place called the Next Steps Desk. Kind of get rid of your excuses, I hope. Anyway, all right. So this is the first step, right? It's to understand that Jesus is Lord saved. The second step may be, you know what? You've done that, but you've never been baptized. You can't be obedient without being baptized. You want to argue with that? Email me later, right? Or maybe you've, you follow Christ, you've been baptized, but you know, hey, God, made some mistakes. We all make mistakes, but you've got a pattern of mistakes you want to change. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. person next to you will pray with you. pastor will pray with you. I'll pray with you. He'll pray with you out there. But if there's something, seek the help you need to be obedient. Find somebody to hold you accountable to that. I get it. You know, we talked about this big nebulous topic of obedience today and how, but we look at our lives and we consider all the things that we can complain about or all the things that if I say aren't going our way, it sounds like prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm trying to say. But all the issues going on in our life, most of those things are our own fault because we've chosen ourselves over what God wants for us in relationships, in dating, in marriage, in our finances. On and on we could go. Y'all get the picture. It's a big topic. I know. It's a, it's a big umbrella. But I know that for every one of us in here, God has something that he wants us to work on. So I would challenge you to focus on that. And during this time, hear what God's saying and commit to work on it. Let's pray. God, your call is simply one word, and that is obedience. But it's, the follow-through follow on that is not so simple. We have friends to worry about, we have co-workers to worry about, we have family to worry about. Yet we all sit here right now with the opportunity to leave here committing to be one step closer to what you want us to be. And so God, Noah did this for 50 years. Every day he walked out and saw the boards in the boat, he was reminded by being obedient. He did it consistently every day for 50 plus years. So God, let Noah be our example to not give up in a day, not give up in a week. God, give us the 
courage and the strength we need to be obedient and be ridiculous for you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Let me pray. Amen. Thank you.